I talked to my, my actual real therapist about this. I was like, I just love making people laugh. And she's like, no, you love positive feedback from others. And I was like, hey, mm. I think it's both. Like, I really do love making people laugh. Like, that is 100% my passion. But I also, like, have to realize you can be the best Connor, the best Brad, the best Hallie. You can work so, so hard on your content. And, you know, people are still going to comment, like, I am so sick of this girl. I'm unfollowing Golf Digest. Mm. And you're just like, what do I have to do? You know? And so, but then also, and then, then I'll go to the Ryder Cup and like people come up to me and they'll be like, I love, like, thank you so much. I love the content you're making. I guess almost like golf, like how do you let like a good shot not get you too high and in the same mm. sense, not like a bad shot get you too low? Hey y'all, this is Brad. Thank you so much for joining us for another session of Group Golf Therapy. We missed Drew this week, but we're excited to have the busiest woman in golf media, Hallie Ledbetter, on the couch this week. Hallie is a host, a producer, an incredible golfer, always entertaining. The daughter of a goat, David Ledbetter, who's actually the funniest Ledbetter. She hosts her own podcast called Henny and Hallie Can't Quit Golf, which is a hilarious title, with Henny Koyak. And you can catch her on Golf Digest On The Tee, which is one of my favorite YouTube channels. And now that Hallie is an LA resident, I'm trying to get her out on the course. Not only so that we can chop it up, but I'm trying to introduce her to the Uncommon Ball. The Uncommon Model 55 has been my favorite ball for the past month. Right now, if you use code GGT at checkout, you can get free shipping on all of your orders. Now tap in with Hallie. Tap in with GGT, hit them straight, and mind your golf. Where in the world are you right now? Did you move recently? I, I moved a few months ago. Yeah, I live in LA now. So I. Um, What's I up, neighbor? Golf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. We need to play some golf. Say the word. Let's do it. Let's do it. I know it's so funny because I mean, I've been here for about five months now, but I've only, I feel like, physically been here for about half that time. So everybody's like, how's LA? I'm like, it's good, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you if you follow Hallie Ledbetter on Instagram, you will see that you are traveling all the time. I have I have been traveling a lot. Yeah, I have been. So Yeah, like I'm truly surprised to know that you are in Los Angeles because I can't pin you down anywhere. Yeah, I'm home. I'm home in my a uh, lovely apartment that I love very much. I mean, I lived in in New York City for three years prior to COVID. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, LA is expensive, but New York City, man. I mean, my 250 square foot apartment, whew, that was tough. That was tough. Carrying a carrying a golf travel case up four flights of stairs that, you know, <laughs> that was not fun. So I'm like, I have an elevator and a disposal in my sink. This is living. <laughs> that I heard you uh go like into holidays cuz I mean I know we're only in October but you know they're right around yeah. the corner. What do you Oh yeah. I'm stoked. What I'm do you so usually look forward to around the holidays. You well I I'd say now more so than ever is just seeing my family. I feel mm-hmm. like COVID well I guess, I mean, I think a lot of people did, maybe did what I did, um, was very fortunate. Like I, was, I feel very fortunate to have done or have 
having been able to do what I did, which was go home to live with my parents, which at first I was like, oh, this is like the least cool thing ever. But at the same time, at what other time in my life was I going to get to spend that amount of time with my parents? Like never in a million years, you know, like I'll go see them for a week or so every few months, but never was I going to be able to, to really get to know, like, you know, and, and have this more of adult relationship with them. Um, so I'd say I'm really excited to see my family again and my dog, well, my dog, it's our family dog, Chubbs, who I'm obsessed with. <laughs> it's a great name. Yeah. A I golf name. Him. Of course it's fitting. Yes. Chubbs. <laughs> exactly. He's a, he's a happy Gilmore instructor. So. <laughs> <laughs> So in, in the travel that you've been doing, mm-hmm. how much golf are you actually able to play? It's, I think it's a misconception in our, I say our liberally, line of work, the sort of golf media content space that you're playing golf all the time. Yeah. Not true, right? Not true. Not true whatsoever. I mean, I wish I could play a lot more. Like this is, for example, like the other a few weeks ago, I'm I'm very very lucky that Golf Digest lets me um, do some other projects with with other people, especially like our partners, like the USGA. So I was doing a shoot with the USGA um, at the Dormy Club, which was a really really cool spot uh, in Pinehurst, and we shot for three days. But I literally was just like hitting shots into the trees and like up a fairway just because we were just trying to get the lighting right and Mm. being on a golf course. But it's not like I was playing golf those three days, you know, we're, we're just, you know, it's like, okay, do it again, say it again, you know? So you're not, it's not like you're out there just enjoying yourself for three days. Like you're on a golf course, but you're not really playing golf. And by the end of that, you're like, man, I'm tired. I just want to nap. (laughs) I just want to take a nap. So I don't really want to necessarily go play 18 holes after three days of shooting. Totally. We were, um, Brad, Drew, and myself were recently on a shoot in Wisconsin and playing and interviewing folks at the same time. And our director on that shoot gave me this beautiful nugget of advice about playing and interviewing and and shooting at the same time. He said, if you know what you're about to make on this hole, you're doing it wrong. And I thought that was really interesting because... Profound. and, And profound and a lot to unpack there, but... It, it's so true. Like you're, you're so focused on the project and not necessarily like we're not playing golf for the reasons that we all love golf in that right. moment necessarily. Right. right. So very interesting. Yeah, there's been so many times where like, and this is going to come off like I'm like, I'm so like bratty, but like I, when I had the opportunity to go to Bandon Dunes, it was my first time at Bandon Dunes. It was so incredible. And I loved it. That being said, the entire time I was I was doing Instagram stories. So like I, I was so focused on like the story arc of this Instagram story and making it oh. so good, which that was my job. Like I was, what I was, you know, I'm being paid to do that. So not a problem whatsoever, but I would love to go back phoneless <laughs> and just play golf, <laughs> you know, and really like, how was Bandon dudes? I'm like, I think it was good. I don't <laughs> right. remember. Like I'll have to Check go back tape. and watch yeah, I need to go back and like watch the Instagram story that I made, but <laughs> you know, because um, you sometimes you're just when you're so focused on like making the 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 content because you want it to be as good as possible that the actual golf playing of the golf sort of goes by the wayside, and that's a, that's a sacrifice you make. Like, oh, we're so lucky to even be out there in the first place, and that is part of that is our job, you know. Totally. Um, so I try to keep that in mind when I'm like, oh man, I wish I could play, but it's like, how lucky this is, this is what you do for a living anyways. Like, this is great. You know, you get to hit a few shots. Cool. 
That's been one of my favorite questions of late is uh, when's the last time you played a round of golf without your cell phone? Ooh. Without my cell phone, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Right? Like whether it's either in your bag, meaning you're not doing Instagram stories, you're not taking photos. Like right, maybe, maybe right. you're just like streaming music to, into a speaker. That, just like, like that playing counts. music. Okay. Um, well, I had a really fun round for my boyfriend's birthday. We played a course called Pelican Hill out here, um, Ooh. in, uh, which was beautiful. Strong. And that was really fun. Cause we were just, you know, just there to enjoy the round. Um, and that was really cool. But I'd say, honestly, like sometimes people ask me if I miss playing competitive golf. And I do think competitive golf is just, it, it, it's, it just, you have to be so present to play well, you know, like, and then, and normally also it's, you know, against the rules to have your phone out. So you can't have your phone out. And that's, it's just so, I actually, uh, Amanda Balionis always gets mad at me because my phone is always on do not disturb. Like, I just, I think it's, I think it's like a bad habit that I, well, it's a habit, not necessarily a bad habit, but it's a mm-hmm. habit that I have from golf at whether it's, whether it's playing golf or whether it's being on a golf course and like just the fear of my phone going off and someone's backswing, which is like, Oh, the worst. Um, but my phone is always on do not disturb. Um, but cause it's just nice when you're out there, no distractions. You're like, Oh, sorry. I was like playing in a tournament or I was playing golf. Like I didn't check my phone or most people don't play golf like that, but that is like the best way to play golf is with no phone. I couldn't agree more. And I have, I have the exact same habit partially from college golf, competitive golf, but also growing up as a caddy, same exact fear is like phone goes off in some rich members backswing and they are so pissed and throw you off the golf course. So that's just like yeah, instilled so in scary. my bones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. yeah. I played around recently with my girlfriend's brother. And first round we played together in five years. Like the, the only mm-hmm. time we played together. Um, and you know, like he knows like what I've been up to and like, you know, he's excited to play with me and like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm excited to see your game, man. Like you play so much. And Hallie, when you were just saying like, you know, do I, (laughs) do I play that much? And we kept score. First time I've kept an 18 hole score in, I don't know how long. I shot a 99 <laughs> like, hey. just because like when was the last time I kept score for 18 holes? When was the last time like the, the stakes were like worth anything, you know, yeah. like yeah. I'm so used to, I mean, you said you only been in LA for five months, but like the scene that, that I play on out here is like, we're barefoot. We're, mm. We might we might light up a little something, you know. We're we're out here, we're yeah. really enjoying ourselves. So like we never yeah. keep score. So to have it like count, even just even just that um that thought like over your over your shot or uh you know, this is gonna count for something really weighs heavily. Oh yeah, yeah it completely changes the dynamic for yeah. sure. Um, Howie, now being sort of removed from the competitive golf landscape, has your mindset or intention for a round of golf changed for you at all yeah you know i think 
I think I really do. Initially, when I stopped playing competitive golf, I was like, man, this is great. Like, it doesn't matter what I shoot. This is awesome. Like, it's it's definitely more relaxing. But I would say just for me, like, I'm a pretty anxious person. And I think that golf has has been like a way for me to well, what it can be. It can be anxiety in, inducing, but it can also be a, like you know, you're, you're forcing yourself to go through the process and mm. just learning a lot about yourself. And like, for me, I've learned so much about myself, like what I do under pressure and what I do in stressful situations. So through competitive golf, I kind of had to learn, okay, like when I get really nervous, I, you know, I start moving really quickly and I break into a cold sweat. So how do I combat these, these things? So I think for me, even though golf now is a bit of, you know, I, I enjoy it and it's not so much like I'm not playing competitively. I do really enjoy, you know, playing for things. Like I love playing mm-hmm. my boyfriend and I love, like, I don't really like to drink on the golf course that much because I mean, I kind of liken it to, I don't know if I try to explain this, like somebody that played like football at a high level or tennis at a high level, granted golf does lend itself to being a sport to where you can drink but i'm like could you imagine if you were like taking shots in between sets on the tennis court like it would just like imagine having like your whole life working so hard to like play the game at the highest level and then you're purposely just i mean you just kind of like i get i i'll go out and drink on the course but i just need to be like in that mode where there are times where i'm just like no i want to play like i want to keep score i want to try to like fire up pins i want to make some birdies um and that to me is almost like more relaxing than having a few beers on the course because I just get frustrated when I when I can't focus and I'm like I should be able to hit these especially because I don't practice anymore you know mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like I need I need <laughs> I need everything working in my advantage like I cannot afford to especially because my boyfriend's like pretty good too so I uh. like can't afford I'm like I have to be sharp if I want to beat him. <laughs> so imagine dousing that in. Uh, half a dozen white claws. That's just like a, a recipe for disaster. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, again, I will. I would say first, the at first when I started like t- just playing golf for fun, the idea of drinking on the golf course was like so great because I was like, "This is like, wait, you can do this? People drink on the golf course? Like transfusions? Let's go!" But then I think as as you know, the novelty of it kind of wore off. I was like, eh. I just, I just want to play golf just to play golf, you know? That's fair. That's fair. No. And I, it's a, it's a really good point about like, I had this competitive edge or mindset at one point in my life. I could attack pins at one point in my life. Now the practice is gone, but that like that ability is still in there somewhere. So there's a, an attempt to reaccess that yeah fire in that edge that's so exactly i'm like i know i'm capable of hitting those shots right it's just and it's so frustrating when you're like i know i've done this before it's like yeah but that's when you used to practice five hours a day like you haven't touched the club in two weeks (laughs) you know (laughs) so in those moments uh this is the um this is the part where we start getting into therapy (laughs) Um, (laughs) in those moments where you know you haven't practiced as you're accustomed and you go out there and you're playing with your boyfriend, you, you want to be, you know, a little bit competitive. You want to, you know, you want to show up and you hit a really bad shot. You said it's frustrating, but what is your self-talk like in those moments? 
Well, I think initially, you know, I get, I get irritated with myself and then I'm like, you should practice more. You should do all these things. Like if you want to, if you want to be a good player, like you got it. And I just try to, it's the same. It's the same. I guess it, it's funny. Cause I feel like it's the same conversation, whether I was playing competitively or not. Like it's going to be like, you should practice more. You should do all these. Whereas like now that voice is actually accurate. Like I should be practicing right. more. Um, but I just try to, you know, I just try to put it in perspective. I'm like, this is not what you're, what you're spending all of your energy on anymore. Like, yes, you work in golf and you eat, sleep and breathe this game, mm -hmm. but not necessarily as a player anymore. And that's mm -hmm. okay. You know? So I just really try to curb my expectations um, and, and just manage that because if not, then you're setting yourself up for failure. It's kind of like when you look at these guys that, you know, that maybe they played on the PGA tour and then they go into retirement and, you know, they're, they always talk about, Oh, I can't hit it. Like they're losing yardage. You know, they're mm. used to hit it like 290, 300 and now they can only hit it. And it, it's hard. Like you have to manage your expectations because you're not the player that you once were. And that's okay. You right. just need to like come to terms with that. <laughs> you know? Well, what's beautiful about golf though, is like compare it to the NFL or the NBA, like, no, you will not be able to dunk past a certain age or past a certain For sure. degree yeah. of ability. And in golf, yeah, you might not be able to hit 300 anymore, but like there are other areas of your game that you can be amazing at world-class oh. at even. That, and improve if at, you know, improve. You can, right. you can, you can become a better putter. You can have a better short game. You can do all these things and eight, your age or your, you know, your physical limitations, that's not really going to affect that so much. That's just putting in the time and energy. Right. Totally. How do you switch off from golf? Oh, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. So I, I think, well, probably everybody is probably having, is having this challenge now, but especially now that I, unless I'm on the road, which I'm on the road a lot, but like I work from home as well. You know, like my mm. bed is like right over there. <laughs> so it's like, well, people are listening. It's about 25 feet for me. So it's, you know, it, it kind of does. You feel have like 25 feet in your living room. <laughs> I know, I know, I, to be, I have a studio apartment. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's a nice size studio. My bed's way over there. <laughs> maybe, maybe 14 feet. 14, Neighbor, I gotta I come check out your building. See, see if you got any units available. <laughs> it's a very nice building. I really do like it. But yeah, so no, it gets increasingly difficult to shut off from golf. I would say, especially when you're really, I would say for anybody, when you're passionate about what you do, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, you'll, I mean, last night I'm scheduling emails to go up this morning just because I'm just like, my brain is just dee, 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 dee. and like, how lucky am I to have a job that I'm so passionate about? So, so incredibly lucky. That being said, and I have this conversation with my boss a lot, like it is important to take a break. And I think that, and I'm very guilty of this. It's like we, and maybe maybe it's like an athlete mentality as well that it's like you gotta work outwork everybody. You gotta hustle. You gotta like rise and grind. Like you know when someone's not working, you are. And that's like just the mentality that as an athlete that you sort of bring to everything. And I'm realizing as I get older that that isn't always the smartest approach. Like, yes, you want to work really hard and you want to be really passionate about what you do. But if you don't take breaks, 
then you are the work that you're doing is not going to be as good, you know, like you are going to, I mean, for me, when I get overwhelmed and I get over, over stressed and like, I just kind of check out and I start dropping the ball on projects and then I'm letting other people down. So it's like, you are so much better off taking like a three day weekend and getting yourself mentally right, feeling refreshed and then coming back to work or whatever you're doing with fresh ideas and a, a renewed commitment to your projects um, than just like burning the candle at both ends, because mm-hmm. I'm very, very guilty of that. And I have to force myself to take breaks, but I know that ultimately like one, it does not mean that I'm not committed and I don't love what I do, but you have to take a break. So for me, what I like to do is um, well, one, I feel like, Playing golf for me is a bit of a break from my actual work. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it is going to play golf, but again, leaving the phone, like I don't need to be like, Hey guys, I'm here at wherever, wherever. It's like, no, you don't need to document that you played golf to prove that you played golf. Like you can just go play golf for you. You don't have to share it with everybody. So I think that's one way to do it. And then I also, um, I really love improv and comedy. So Mm -hmm. I started doing, um, improv classes. No way. Um, which I, yeah, I really, I started doing it in New York. Um, and then when I moved out here, just because I travel so travel so much, I guess what's been a really kind of silver lining for, for COVID um, has been a lot of these top comedy schools have put their classes online and a lot of them are going to continue to do so just because it's another stream of revenue, but it's works out really well for me because they kick you out of the class if you miss more than two and because I travel so much, like I'm not here for eight weeks in a row. So as much as I would love, 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 and I've done it in person, it's, it's, it's way better in person, but I figured I was like, okay, I'd rather just like do my two hours of zoom improv, you know, with people that, you know, are from all walks of life, have no clue. Like so we go around the circle. I'm like, what do you do? I'm like, I work in golf. And they're like, what? <laughs> You know, it's like, it's like the straight, they're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> so, and I love that. They're like, yeah, what? Why? Golf? That's how did you get into that? And, um, you kind of gotta be like, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. Like, yeah, it, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I, that's a reason I, I, that's a way I really like to check out is like just to hang out with people or engage with people that, like golf to them is like a really real foreign concept, <laughs> you know? And they don't like, I still remember one time I was at in New York city at some like party and this girl asked me like what I did. And these were all like entertainment people. I think this girl, this girl had a really cool job. She worked for like Seth Meyers or something. And she's like, what do you do? And I was like, I work for golf digest. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, you've not heard about Golf Digest as the number one golf publication, what to play, where to play, how to play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh, excuse me, who is Seth Myers? Um, but he was like, um, but 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 the the girl said to me, she was like, golf, that's kind of bougie. And I was like, the audacity. Because but, but it's kind of nice though to surround yourself or talk with people because sometimes you forget how the rest of the world still perceives our game 
And so you're like, oh, we're making so much progress. Look, we have the Drake Nocta collection. <laughs> and then you talk to like these people and they're like, oh no, like my uncle plays golf. Like, I'm so sorry. I don't like, not, I not, no offense, but like golf's like really boring. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you forget, you forget. Cause we're like, we're like, oh, we're making all this, all this progress. This is sick. And then you forget that the majority of the world is like, no, yeah, it's still <laughs> so it's like, golf. how do we get through mm. to those people? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Totally. Totally. Yes. Totally. And I think that's why it's so important. Like, like I'm so passionate about just showing like more diversity in golf and like with Drake getting into the game. I mean, like the guy could, I mean, you look at the Nocta collection, like it's, it's cool stuff, but like the guy could put his name on Hawaiian shirts and I would be like, awesome, <laughs> you know, sick. Like as lo- I just think we need to get more people or at least just, and I think that's the thing too. A lot of these people, whether it's Justin Bieber or Drake or like, the talent team at uh, at Discovery, they do all of like Oprah's bookings. And so they'll help me like reach out to various celebrities and try to get interviews and stuff. And one of them reached out to me the other day and they're like, how about Cassie? She's into golf. And I'm like, okay, I'm down. They live right up there. I uh, Oh, seriously? They, yeah. They, oh, that's they, so cool. They actually really are into golf. Uh, yes. So like, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, I would love to be a you know that's what I would love to do is I like I or I'm trying to do more of it's like with my work is like how do I talk to these people and how do we get to their audiences and show them that like no this is like a real this is a fun thing and you don't have to be at the nicest country clubs in the world to enjoy it and you don't have to be really good to enjoy it which is a fun thing to do with your friends and get outside um so yeah I do think it's really interesting to like it's but again sometimes it's hard to get to those people but if they're willing to talk a lot of them a lot of them are so i just think it's really cool that we're you know that these people especially with social media that you know i'm like if you don't want to talk to me that's fine but like please post away when you're on the golf course (laughs) like let your fans know like i always laugh i feel like one of the og musicians to kind of do this i mean is like niall horan um who like i mean what a incredible way to get more young girls into the game because like he's like posting about like modest golf official and they're probably like what the hell is that like it's just like you know his management company um so i think i think like the more that we can get these these you know superstars that the majority are of the public or maybe people that aren't interested in golf at all to like get interested in golf then it's like oh okay if, if i like Drake and Drake likes golf. Like maybe I'll like golf, you know? So it's interesting that, um, you know, you're, you took improv classes and I recently saw you're on the tee with Cedric, the entertainer, and he's a household name, you know, like knowing that he just did a thing with you on golf digest, I think puts kind of does that, right? Like it, it puts someone as big as he in front of, golf's consumers and mm-hmm. brings his audience into golf a little bit and he he dropped totally. things that, you know, the people that he plays with you know he's got like multiple emmy winners oscar nominees oh, like yeah. in his regular foursome yeah. like mm-hmm. the- i know it was incredible and i think that like what's so i mean i am yes i'm all about wanting golf fans to watch that content 
but what like when it comes down to it like I am I'm so passionate like I spend I spend so much time agonizing over the social promos that we send to these celebrities just mm. because I really, 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 really want them to post them on their own channels so we can get to their fans. Cause I'm like, ultimately if our fans enjoy it, great, cool. But like, I want these, these people that have never even thought about taking up golf to see this on Cedric the Entertainer's Instagram and then want to go watch it and be like, huh, oh, okay, I'll give it a go, you know? Did you break out the improv chops when y'all were walking Calabasas? A little bit, a little bit. You know what's really funny? Like, so I did Cedric and then I did Sebastian Maniscalco. And mm. it's been really fun to do these interview series while with with athletes as well. Um, we just did one with Andre Godala, which was really fun too. Um Big and golfer. Yes, huge golfer. Um, I actually will say he, so he, on the last hole, lent me his ball marker that has, wait, I'm going to get it. Hold on. I hope it's just a Miami Heat. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Golden State Warriors championship ring. So Andre Iguodala lent me this ball marker, which is very cool, right? And the last hole, and he... Uh, I, he walked, like we parted ways. And then afterwards I was like, I felt my pocket and I was like, oh my goodness, I have Andre Godala's ball marker. And then the pro there was like, don't worry about it. He has plenty. He would want <laughs> you to have it. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel so bad. Not even 20 minutes later. So one of my good friends, Michelle Wee West, married to Johnny West, who works for the Warriors, good friends with Andre. I get a text from them saying, hey, Andre says you stole his ball marker. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I wanted to give it back. Kelly Ledbetter, known thief. No, if Andre Iguodala, if he listens to group golf therapy, which he should. He does. I have your ball marker. I will send it wherever you want. <laughs> I'm you know, waiting to return it to you. As you were introducing this story, I was going to say, I was like, Lent typically means that you give it back. And when you say that you're about to go get it, that means I, maybe I Lent is the wrong word. Back. I yeah. really want to give it back. And I have it here in safekeeping. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to return it at some point if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> I mean, what a what a great excuse to tee it up with him again, you know? Yeah, I'm like, hey, Andre, we got it, we got to get back together. But that's right. Just going back to like that interview series, I say what was really cool. It's like to talk to. I mean, we talked to Reggie Bush, talked to Andre, and you talked to all these athletes, and it's really cool to, you know, talk to them about being in the zone mm. and or even 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 the entertainers. Like, okay, when you're going up on stage how do you make sure you're in the right mindset to perform? Right. But one of the things that I find so interesting about golf compared to like what I do now is that golf is such like, it's an objective game, right? Like if you guys shoot 65 and I shoot 66, like you beat me, mm -hmm. there is no arguing. Like here's your trophy. Have a nice day there. That's it. We're done. Mm -hmm. Whereas in entertainment, it is not like that, you know, like you like could tell me that you don't like orange. And so for that reason, you will not be airing the podcast, <laughs> you know, like, cause you don't like the shirt that I wore today. And like, that's, what's so frustrating. Took the words about, right out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, you're like, actually, I hate your shirt, Hallie. I'm glad you said this, but it's just tough because like you, and that was something like, 
what's been really cool talking to like a to a Cedric or to a Sebastian Maniscalco is like golf again like going back to it's objective if you mm-hmm. hit a good shot it's a good it's you know it's if it, or let's say you hit it in the fairway it's in the fairway hit it on the green in the hole instant feedback yeah instant feedback it's good it's bad that's it mm-hmm. but like inter, but entertainment or just you know it is or any kind of I guess art I wouldn't really say what I do is art but you know basically like some people like you and some people don't and that's what like when it comes to like Cedric and Sebastian and talking to them they're like listen you you know the arc my like I think it was Cedric who was talking about like just feedback in general it's like if it's not constructive feedback, there's no point in listening. Like you're never going to please everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been like, well, still like my biggest struggle in what I do is like, I just want to make people laugh and smile. And so hmm. it's so like hard for me to like, when I see like comments that are negative, I just get so sad. And it's just tough hmm. because in golf, you don't deal with that. Like you personally might be sad because you hit a bad shot. But if you hit a good shot, like everyone's going to clap for you. Everyone can acknowledge that a good shot is a good shot. Whereas like in any, when entertainment, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a video or a photo or anything like that, like some people are just not going to clap for you, (laughs) you know, no matter how much work that you put into something, they're just going to say, no, not for me, or this sucks. And I think that's probably something that I really miss about golf. It's like there was no argument as to like if you put in the work and you beat people, like you beat people and you were the best or, this is, you know, you won that day. And and now it's not like that. You know, you got to just but it's it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, this is this is really interesting. And I, I want to hear from you uh, tying back to the improv thing. Is this mm-hmm. partially a reason that you started the improv? I, I, for the record, think that everybody should take an improv class. So do I say why in a minute. But does that help in terms of processing failure, like bombing on stage or on screen yeah. in your class well, or learning how to listen more, th- things like that? Yeah, I'd say what improv definitely helps me with that, like because you're going to fail all the time, like you're always bad scenes are going to happen. Um, but I'd say what improv has helped me the most with is listening, mm-hmm. um, because I'd say for me, when I do interviews, I think this is, this is pretty common for like anybody when they first start out, it's like, and even now, like I write, I might not even look at them, but I write all my questions out and just shove them in my back pocket. Just, it's almost like a safety thing. It's almost like a teddy bear, you know, like you just know that you have it. God, I mean, not like I'm going to whip them out and be like, read them to you, but I just know they're there. And it's also, I kind of like a bit of a photographic memory. So if I, when I write them out, it kind of helps me memorize them. Mm. But that being said, I think what I've gotten more comfortable with now is like realizing that there are points that you're going to hit and then somebody might say something that's really interesting and the interview might, or the conversation might take a completely different turn. I think that's what improv has got me comfortable with because I used to just like hold on for dear life to my, (laughs) to my points, you know? And like, I'd be like, Connor, like, tell me like, what did you make on number seven? Like what happened on number seven today? And you're like, yeah, it was a really good birdie. Um, and then I, you know, an alien came down from the sky and took me up to space and we had tea and then we came back down. I don't give a fuck about the alien. Like, okay. On eight, you also made a bogey. Yeah. And I'd be like, cool. Okay. And then walk me through what happened on number eight. And I would completely like miss your alien story when I really should be like, okay, let's, let's, let's circle back to aliens and talk about that. So it's like, 
it's so important to be a good listener. And I think like, I'm so lucky to have, you know, friends like Amanda Balionis or Kira Dixon, because I mean, they talk about being under pressure, like live TV, they have their questions ready, but Mm -hmm. they have to, I mean, they're like master improvers right there. Right. Like they, in terms of like reporting, like they have questions in their minds, but if a player does something or says something and they need to follow up, like it's their job to know when to go that way, or maybe just ask their follow-up question. So, I mean, I feel like the stuff that I do is definitely like lighter and more conversational, Hmm. um, which probably, you know, whereas they are like, they have like two questions or three questions and then it's back to the live golf. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that improv has definitely helped me just feel like more prepared, like, and, and also more prepared in the sense that like, it's okay if I'm not a hundred percent sure where this conversation is going or, you know, and that's, you know, like we're going to go somewhere and it's going to be great, but I don't, that's okay. If, you know, like if I'm talking to a celebrity that I, that I a hundred percent, I'm like, I'm not sure what they're going to say. Um, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Cause I know in the back of my mind that I'm going to have a response for them or a follow-up question, or if not, we'll just move on to the next topic that I had. So I think it's definitely been helpful for that just in terms of just like, feeling prepared and that you can handle anything in terms of like an interview or conversation. Yeah. Connor, why did you think that uh, everybody needs to take an improv class? Well, I think Hallie just nailed it. I mean, I think it makes you a better listener. It it makes you more present in conversation and, and I think less in your own head and how to react better. Um, And to what I alluded to earlier, like, I think it is, it is a good thing to learn how to be comfortable with failure and bombing like you do if you tell a joke on stage it either gets a laugh or it doesn't and and you know I, I I hear what you're saying about Cedric and Sebastian saying that there is more nebulous sort of gratification or, or feedback on stage but there is still something to that joke work or doesn't or flipping an egg it works or it yeah. doesn't yeah. and and I think being comfortable with failure just allows you to be more yourself and, mm-hmm. and feel more comfortable yeah. with what you're giving to the world. Yeah. Well, I actually, I started doing improv funnily enough in high school because I went to a sports academy called IMG and oh, the sports had, academy. The yeah, sports academy. It was, yeah. It was quite an interesting place. Um, that will have, we could do a whole podcast on that place. That was mm. wild, but really fun experience. Very glad I went. Um, and the reason I brought this up was because they had these different, um, like add-ons that you could do um you could like do extra like mental conditioning you could do extra gym time and Hmm. uh you know meet with a nutritionist that kind of stuff and one of the things that you could do was this program called game on which was uh which was developed by these two people steve shenbaum and blair bloomston who i'm actually still very very close with um, and they designed this program. It's essentially, um, they're actors from New York City, incredibly talented people. And they started this program and it basically acts, act, it's like media training for athletes through improv. Um, and so a lot of the kids would sign up for it because, you know, generally athletes aren't the most outgoing, you know, people. Um, but I personally just signed up for it cause I thought it was fun. So, I mean, there'd be like a, you know, there'd be 10 kids and Blair or Steve's like, okay, like who's next. I'd be like, pick me. And they're like, Hallie, put your hand down. You went three times already. <laughs> but I just thought it was so fun. Um, and so that's how I kind of like first started 
doing the improv stuff. But I mean, and, and IMG was smart to bring them in because it really did help a lot of those kids that ended up being like, you know, prodigies in getting comfortable in the media, standing on a stage, talking to a bunch of, uh, you know, reporters. And that kind of stuff is important for sure. I think, well, it's interesting to know that you've, you've been through that experience. Um, I think you're, general attitude and disposition lends itself to comedy and lends it lends itself to improv totally agree. um who did you get that from Ooh, that's a good question um you know what's funny so a lot of people are surprised to hear this but my dad is very very funny um and yeah. no, <laughs> he, he he comes off like i feel like a lot of people know the what I call like the infomercial David Ledbetter. Um, mm. I don't even know if they do infomercials anymore, but back in like the day when like infomercials on golf channel, were, like a really big thing, it was like my dad and his training aids and like, you mm. were going to buy one. And if you call You're gonna right buy now, one. <laughs> you might get a second one. It's not, will you buy one? It's you are going You're to buy one. You are going guaranteed. to buy one. Exactly. So, I mean, I feel like, and so that's, you know, a fairly, very polished David Ledbetter. Um, but my, but kind of when you get to know him, he is a pretty, like, he's a very witty, funny guy. Mm. Um, and my, and my, my little brother is also very, very, very funny and very quick and very, very witty. I'd say my brother is probably, but my little brother is probably the funniest person in our family. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping I want him. I'm like, pushing him to somehow get into golf media. Cause I think he would just, he's so, so funny. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I'd say initially my dad and then now I'd say my little brother kind of keeps me on my toes. Like any, if I'm working on like any kind of projects, I'll always run it by my brother. So yeah, but I'd say initially probably, uh, my, my dad is like, he would, you know, tell us all kinds of stories when he would like, when he used to like teach like Faldo and Nick Price and like at the time when well my mom um my mom that's how my parents met my mom went to my dad to get lessons which is not very professional but um <laughs> but like my mom has all these really funny stories about my dad like be just playing like these really horrible practical jokes on them so um yeah he's a big big comedy guy were you and your you have two brothers yeah I have two brothers I have an older brother and a little brother and then I'm in the middle and were the three of you um, David Ledbetter students as kids? Was the yeah. dinner table like, you know, Hallie, pass the potatoes, also work on your posture at that setup? You know what's funny? I, more so my brothers. For me, I was like, no, thank you. This is, I don't want anything to do with this sport. Like I was really into, I, I did, um, I, I was a very competitive um, horseback rider until I was about 13. Um, so that's what I did every day after school. I was like, I don't want to do anything with that white golf ball. Like these horses are way more fun. Um, so that's what I was really into when I was really young. Um, I always had a set of clubs, but I didn't like want to touch them. Like my dad still tells this story because he thinks it's so funny. And my mom, they think it's hilarious um, that Annika. So I grew up in Orlando and Annika Sorenstam lived in the same neighborhood as us and put on a junior girls golf clinic. So obviously my parents are like, you need to go to this. And I'm like, all right. So, wow. and at the time I was like kind of into golf, but you know, so I go to this and it's like, 
I'd say 40, 50 girls like lined up on this driving range. And Annika is like working her way down the line, looking at every girl's swing. And my parents still say that Annika was with me for a solid 20 minutes, just waiting for me to make contact. And I was like, that seems exaggerated. But um, but now it's like, it's pretty funny because Annika, funnily enough, moved into my family's house. So when my when my brother and I decided we want my little brother and I decided we wanted to go to IMG for high school, we all moved to Sarasota. And um, the the Sorenstand or the McGee's, I guess, bought our family's house. And so, um, which was so crazy because then I ended up going to IMG and like getting pretty good at golf. And I actually had to go to Annika's house because some of my college recruiting letters were being sent to her house. (laughs) So I had to go and get them from her. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, look. You like got good. <laughs> people are like wanting you to play golf for them. And I'm like, yeah. Wow. That is such a flex in front of Annika. You're like, no I, know. I, was like I will take that Notre Dame. Yes. Right. Did you show her the ring <laughs> too after y'all game. won? Like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. What's exactly. up, auntie? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that was pretty, pretty funny moment. And I'd say, now I saw Annika uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, and she told me she's like, "I follow you on social media, and you make me laugh so much." And that honestly was like oh the crowning moment of my. That's I was so like, sweet. "I'm gonna put that in my Instagram bio." Like I make Annika's horns and laugh. Oh my god, <laughs> that is so good. I was like, "We've really come full circle here, Annika. You live in my house. You, <laughs> you, you know, uh. you watch me try to make contact, and look at us now." That's so sweet. If it's not in your bio now, it needs to be. Like <laughs> I need to add it. I need to add it. Let this be the, the moment. Hey, y'all. This is Brad and Connor. Andrew, we wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening. It truly means a lot to us, and we want you to know that you're loved and you're welcomed here. And if you ever need a listening ear to vent or just to talk to somebody who cares, we want to remind you that group golf therapy is a safe space. Our DMs are always open at group golf therapy on Instagram. Hit them straight and mind your golf. There was a golf journalist at uh, a few months ago who, maybe a few weeks ago, there was a, a media, a USJ put on a, a media day and had myself and Becky Robinson, who's a really funny comedian and, and a few other, you know, like whatever, like influencer content people. Um, mm. The dude from the office was there blanking on his name. Brian, Brian from the office. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he was oh. there. A bunch of different people. Down at Tory, right? Sorry. Down at Tory. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So this guy wrote this article where he's like basically just shitting on the fact that, you know, all of these people were invited. At, and I felt like it was a little bit like they were invited. Why not me? And why not me? Yeah, like, I think he used the term, like, C-listers or something. And I was like, well, if I'm a C-lister, I don't know what you are, buddy. But anyways, <laughs> um, regardless, like, the point was, though, like, the USGA did, uh, goes all the traditional routes, you know? Mm-hmm. But they also, in addition to the traditional routes, go the, are going these new routes, are inviting these people to tournaments that might reach these new audiences, and they're trying different things. And so 
I think in like order to grow to the game, like we're obviously going to appease our core audience. Like I don't have anything, I don't see anything wrong with your, I mean, my dad's an old white guy. Like I love old white guys. They're great. But (laughs) how do we like, how do we get the other people involved and excited about the game? You know? And so my point to that guy that wrote that article was like, you don't have to like this content. Like this content wasn't made for you, you know, Mm, like, mm -hmm. and there's room for everything. Like I have news for you, buddy. Like this is not the olden days when the only thing around was golf digest and golf magazine. And you had to hope that you got a page. Like the internet is infinite. Like Mm. we can fit as much in there as we want. So like, just because one person's video and one person's article runs doesn't mean that yours can't. So I think that, it's just so important to get like new voices in the game. And I think like for me, I like going back to what I said before about how like I grew up in like the very traditional golf system. So I think where I like, I just try to make sure that I'm always talking to people that are from outside of that traditional golf system. And then hopefully like, we can work together, you know, and sort of, I'm making, always making sure that I keep an open mind, but also realize, you know, when there are certain things that like there are, you know, golf is a traditional game. So when there are some things, whether it's like a rules thing or, you know, like maybe you can, an unspoken thing that you might not know about, like Mm. that it not necessarily, maybe it's, maybe it needs to be changed. Maybe it doesn't, but at least I can tell you like why it's in, why that is in place and how long it's been there and how we can try to change it. Whereas like somebody else might come in and just be like, that's stupid. That doesn't make sense. But I can be like, Oh, it's here's how we can, you know, affect, make change. And I've seen this for a while now. Um, And then like for a perfect example of that is like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the Gruder golf girls. Oh yeah. Um, we okay. love them. So I love, fans. love them and they have been so, so crucial for me in like understanding how to grow the game amongst like women, my age, because I think, I think for a long time, um, I always just thought like, Oh, w- women want to see, like other women like crushing golf balls and like looking great. And I think, I think I went to like an event or a party with a bunch of, um, with a bunch of like, it was like a gathering. I don't know. I think it was in New York or something of like a bunch of girls that were like pretty good at golf Mm. and, you know, whether they were ex collegiate players or, you know, former pros or, you know, but they all, you know, smashing drives 250 and it was all over Instagram and everybody's having a great time. And then I remember touching base with my friend at Gruder and she's like, I'll be honest with you. Like that is intimidating to see, you know? Totally. And at first I was kind of offended. I was like, no, 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 this is, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> like this, no, this is aspirational. And like, this is how we're going to grow the game is by showing everybody mm. like how good you can be. And then I realized when I sat with it for a while and we continued talking with her, I was like, oh, like that makes so much sense because I'm like, if I was picking up, I don't know, let's say tennis, right? Like I'm not necessarily going to be motivated or inspired to go out and, you know, suck at tennis. If I'm all I'm seeing are these girls that are like smashing these like serves every single time. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh man, I have a long way to go. Why am I even trying this? You know? So like seeing relatable content and seeing, you know, people like you that are, that's why I think like the Gruder girls, what they're doing is so incredible because Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're sort of documenting their journey and getting better. You know, they, 
you know, whether, whether they're shooting, I don't remember what exactly level they're all at at the moment, but like what basically within their organization, there's everybody from collegiate players to girls that are like just started to hold a club a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they're, they're not just posting the collegiate players. They're posting the other girl that made her first bogey, you know, and it was nice. like, yeah, you know, so like seeing that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, okay. Like it is also fun to learn the game. I don't have to be a former collegiate player to, to like look cute in my golf clothes and strut around and play nine holes. Like there's some other girls, you know, out there having fun with their friends and, and they're just, you know, they've never, maybe they haven't even played, never even played 18 holes in their life. Like they're just out there to have a good time. And so it's yes. And am I right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Improv. Yeah, totally. Like, and that's what my whole thing is like, just to golf, like how we continue to grow the game. It's like with social media and the internet and everything that we have now, there's, yes, we have to appease the, the core demographic and there's plenty of content for them. And there's plenty of people making content for them, myself included, you know, like, but how do we get more people in the mix and how do we, you know, sort of, talk to these other audiences and make stuff for them too, that is going to make that makes them want to engage with us. And that's also how we keep brands like golf digest and golf magazine. And like, that's how we keep them around, you know, because sooner or later that other demos are not going to be here any longer. <laughs> so we have to evolve. We have to continue to, to make new stuff and talk mm-hmm. to new people and see what they like. I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that because you represent someone who like quite literally bridges that gap, you know, being a, uh, Thank you. I, I try to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you tap in with the, the younger audience, um, but you also like can like physically literally reach out and touch the older audience. You know what I mean? Like, uh, mm-hmm. so are there ever any conversations between family that's like, yo, dad, you really got to check out Gruder Golf or like these group golf therapy guys are super dope. Like check out Roger Steele, check out Jazzy Golfer, check out like yeah. Mm-hmm. These these people are like growing the game in a way that we've never really thought about. And like this should be on the forefront a little bit more. Like, do you feel well, two questions. Do you feel inclined or responsible to share that with not just family, obviously, but like the people that you work with? And what excites you about what's happening with this new wave of influencers, content creators? um, personalities. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely feel inclined to share it. Like, I mean, even my dad is like sending me, my dad is sending me TikToks of like, I mean, I don't (laughs) think he gets them directly off TikTok. I think people send him the TikToks and he sends us the TikToks. But the point being is that I know he's aware of this kind of stuff. Um, and, and knows how important it is, um, for growing the game. So no, I definitely, share it with him and and I and I love to get his ideas as as well. But I think it goes back to just how golf at its core has always been this very like exclusive thing. I actually read a, I read I actually read an article about it in college about how, you know, why is exclusivity considered cool and like inclusivity mm-hmm. not considered cool? And I think it just goes back to like supply and demand when you have less things it becomes more covetable. You know, it's like, I always, I always think of the example of like, you go to the masters, right. And you've got the masters yellow logo. Well, 
there's the master's logo, which is obviously you get a ticket to the master's, you go to the master's, you have that master's gear forever. And then you're like, Oh, into the master's. And it's just, you know, it's so cool. I wear this all the time. Your quarter zip that, you know, it's like a talking point. Right. Mm -hmm. But then there's the pro shop at that, the golf Augusta national golf pro shop at Augusta that Mm -hmm. you can only get in if you have like a very, very special badge and it's different than just the yellow, it's different than, whoa, than just this one. It's got, um, it's, it's green with like a yellow outline. So it's so funny to me watching people like, essentially like would chop off their right arm to get in. I'm like you were already at the one one of the most exclusive uh, you are at the most exclusive golf event in the country and now we're trying to get in even further to get this other merch that is even enough. harder to get you know but I think that's like that's just human nature right. I think like to want something that you know like i mean it goes back to like you know like limited merch drops and all that kind of stuff like it's just human nature to want something like that's really hard to get but i think that's kind of like i think a lot of people a lot of people have like a hard time like wanting to like let golf just grow is because no it's just like especially you know even like letting women into the game like no this club this course is this is an all men's course like it's for me and my buddies like it's supposed to be like a safe haven where i can just do what i want to do and i think that if we want to continue to grow the game and we want to, you know, want the game to survive and, and everybody to enjoy it. Like we have to let go a little bit of that mindset of like, this is a, this is like a, a, an old boys club, you know, because it's not going to be around for anybody anymore. If we, if we keep that mindset, we have to get a little bit more open and more welcoming. For sure. So you, you just brought up the masters. Um, I think that's a good segue into our one of our stock questions. Mm-hmm. What would be on your champion's dinner menu? Ooh, let's see. I love spaghetti bolognese. I really love like good bread, like warm bread, fresh out of the oven. So we're definitely going with like an Italian theme here. Mm-hmm. Definitely Italian themed. Um, and a side dish of maybe some like roasted veggies, like like some like. I don't know, Brussels sprouts or something. Mm. I just, you know, but then we would go all in because like, I, I mean, it, whether they're at Augusta national or they're not, I do think that their peach ice cream sandwiches are next level. Like Ooh. they are, I wish I could buy them all year round. I would stock my freezer with them. <laughs> they are incredible. So I would say, you know, probably spaghetti bolognese, some really good bread and like veggies and whatnot, but definitely peach ice cream sandwiches for everyone. Cause they're, they are really, I don't know what they put in them, but they are very good. What is the time on the golf course? You've laughed the hardest. Ooh, in a tournament, I hit it onto a, on a, onto a green of the par three that was surrounded by water. The green was surrounded by water. And this bird picked up my ball and dropped it in the water. And at first that was not, I did not find that funny because I did not know the rule. And right. I thought that I was just like screwed. I was like, Oh my God. Like, what do I do? Is like, that I, a penalty? I, Automatic. Too. Yes. I thank God. There was a rules official nearby and was like, no, it's not your fault. Like you can just like put the ball back and put a ball where the, I hit it for like 10 feet. Right. And I was this bird, this seagull just picked up my ball and dropped it in the water. 
Um, so I'd say I laughed about that a lot afterwards, just because initially I really did think that that was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm too over. I'm about to bogey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, Exactly. I'm going to make a bogey here because this stupid bird, but luckily the rules, there's something in place that so birds don't, or else that would be crazy if you have like outside factors like that. That seagull was like, this is a reparation. Y'all didn't ask permission to call a two on a par three, a birdie. You didn't ask. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Screw you. Give me that ball. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. good. Um, what are some of your favorite golf smells? Ooh, golf smells. So I think growing up in Florida, um, we I would kind of always like you know when you, whether it be the weekend or after school or something, you would kind of practice until that late afternoon Florida thunderstorm rolls through. Mm. So I would say for me, even though it's not really a golf smell, I do really associate it with golf because I would I like the, the humid storm smell yeah. because I, you know, you'd be practicing for hours and you're like, Oh man, practice over, but kind of happy. Cause I've been out here for a while and now I can go inside. But at the same time, like to be out there with like your brother or, uh, you know, my friends and, to see this like big storm cloud roll in and like the humidity and the heat, mm. you can feel it in the air and you're like, let's try to get one more hole in before, before we get like struck by lightning. Um, so I'd say probably like that, that like really like storm smell where you're like racing the clock or, you know, curious when the rules official is going to blow the horn and you have right. to go inside. So yeah, I'd say probably that. I love that. Yeah. That's a good one. I live in Portland, Oregon, so we don't get, thunderstorms ever Mm. and it's something i grew up in boston so it's something that i'm very used to from my childhood but don't get anymore and it really bums me out every summer well i i mean brad yes last night right yes hallie i literally i went outside and stood in the middle of the street just to experience (laughs) i should have done that i mean honestly i thought my phone so i got i get like notified on my phone like when weather is coming just like when I'm on various shoots and stuff. And I had to check my location on my phone. So I was like, no, no, no. There's no way that there's like a thunderstorm coming to where I am currently. This is going to stay for three hours? What? (laughs) It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, So there, Connor, there was a big thunderstorm here last night in Los Angeles, um, which was very, very strange. Everybody was freaking out. Final question for me, but I'm sure Brad has one more as well. What is your theme song for walk-up music if you were to play in a solheim cup what would your walk up to the tea music be so sometimes i have a hard time waking up in the morning as as you know don't we all Mm. um but the song that always gets me in a really great mood is believe by share Yes. So I Sick. personally would love to walk out to that song by Cher, just in a way to like thank her for all the difficult mornings that she's helped me get through. Because it's Cher. really hard. Like, because sometimes like I I deal with anxiety, and sometimes I don't don't want to get out of bed, and I'm like, you leave. Nice. Okay. Oh, I cannot wait to put that, that is so song good over this clip. Oh my god, so right. good! It's so good. So yeah, I'd say probably share. Share gets played a lot in this house. <laughs> um, we, I don't usually like to end on this question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Okay. What is your mortal wound? Your Achilles heel? Your 
the thing in your Ooh. life that you have wrestled with, tussled with, as Connor likes to say, the nut that you can't crack? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I think I would probably go back to that rant that I went on about like having to wrestle with feedback from others. Mm. Um, and I, I love making people like I get such a high from making people laugh and like my, I, you know, I talked to my, 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 my actual real therapist about this. Um, <laughs> and she's like, I was like, I just love making people laugh. And she's like, no, you love positive feedback from others. And I was like, Hey, mm. <laughs> so like, which I think it's Recognize. both, honestly, you know, like, I think it's both. Like I really do love making people laugh. Like that is a hundred percent my passion, but I also like have to realize I'm like, this is such a cheesy thing. And I think I saw this on Pinterest. Somebody tried, I said this to somebody, they tried to attribute it to me. And I'm like, no, no, I literally saw this on Pinterest, but it said something about like, you can be the juiciest peach in the box and someone's just not going to like peaches. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to take credit for that's that so quote because first of all, that's super dumb and cheesy. It's cheesy, but it's true. It's in great, the sense that, like, you know, but like you can be the best Connor, the best Brad, the best Hallie, you can work so, so hard on your content and, you know, people are still going to comment like, I am so sick of this girl. I'm unfollowing Golf Digest. Mm. And you're just like, what do I have to do? Like, you know, and so, but then also, and then, then I'll go to the Ryder Cup and like people come up to me and they'll be like, I love, like, thank you so much. I love the content you're making. And like, it's tough, right? It's like one, you're not going to get, you, you have to put yourself in a position to like, if, if you're going to, you know, choose the career that I've chosen and hopefully get to keep, you know, get to keep choosing is that, you know, you're going to be in that position and you're going to get positive feedback and negative feedback. And it's like, almost like, I guess, almost like golf. Like, how do you let like a good shot, not get you too high. And in the same mm. sense, not like a bad shot, get you too low. So like, I love, I mean, everybody loves positive reinforcement and I love making people laugh and smile, but at the same time, like, that also comes with like letting people when they say like mean things and hurtful things like, Oh, you only have your job because of your dad or like, you're not funny or like you're, I would like this if you were hotter and like stuff like that. Mm. It's like, how do you not let that get to you? You know? So, yeah. and I think having talked to some, talked to like to Cedric and Sebastian, and then there's a, a comedian by the name of Heather McMahon, who I've had the opportunity to get to know over the last few months um, and she tells me the same thing. She's like, if you want to be in this line of work, like you have to have a thick skin. And that's the same thing that my, I mean, my dad's not necessarily entertainment by any means, but you know, over his years of working with players and players, you know, maybe leaving and then coming back. And then, you know, you've got the media saying, Oh, David Ledbetter messed up this person's swing. And then the next thing, you know, they're saying he's the best instructor in the world because so-and-so wins X amount of majors. It's like, I mean, he's, he's always telling me like water off a duck's back, water off a duck's back. Like you, all you can do is, you know, do your absolute best hmm. and treat people with kindness and respect. And, and if people like the stuff that you make great, and if some people don't like it, 
it just goes back to what we said before about that guy that didn't like that, the, you know, the content around the USGA, like it's not going to be for everyone and that mm-hmm. shouldn't stop. And I think for sometimes I get discouraged because like, I read that and I'm like, well, what's the whole point? Like, why am I even doing this? If people don't like it, but it's like one person doesn't like it or two people don't like it. Not right. everybody doesn't like it, you know? Right. So I think for me, it's just, I've definitely gotten better, but it's realizing that, no matter what you do, you are not going to please everybody and you cannot be everything to everyone. So you might as well just be the best that you can be. And you know, that's all, it's all you really can really do. Mic drop. Yeah. Mic drop. I um, guess to end, you just launched a new podcast of your own. Any yes. how we can't quit golf. The stage yeah. is yours. Tell us about it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So Henny and I are very excited. Um, Henny Koyak is an incredible, incredible interviewer and her and I launched this podcast. It is bi-weekly and we basically uh, talk about just what the title says is our relationship with golf, how, you know, it's very complicated. We, you know, love hate relationship, but can't seem to kick the habit. And we, you know, that's sort of the kickoff for the podcast with every guest is what's their relationship with golf like when was there a time that they wanted to quit and what brought them back? So our first episode was with Brooks Kepka and Jenna Sims. So we casual. obviously, you know, we, casual, right. no big deal. Um, and it was, it was, it was cool because obviously that's the jumping off point, but we also talked to like Jenna about, you know, their engagement and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's sort of the jumping off point is their relationship with golf or our guest relationship with golf and our relationship with golf. But then we also talk to them about, you know, everything under the sun. I mean, whether it's, um, you know, I, I, with Henny, Henny's, she hates when I say this, but she was a bit of a child phenom and she was incredible, incredible golfer at a young age. Mm -hmm. And so we have some guests that were like that. And so we talked to, you know, Henny can relate to them on that level. I sure can't. Cause I, like I mentioned you guys, I was too busy riding horses. I sucked at golf when I was little. So, (laughs) um, but, you know, but, but regardless of what background you come from or what level you're at, I feel like we can all relate to having had that moment many a time where we're like, screw this. I don't want anything to do with this. And the next day we're right back at the golf course. Oh yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the jumping off point. But again, we talk about all kinds of stuff and uh, yeah, it's been, it's gotten, you know, it's been pretty well received so far. So we're excited to, to keep going. It's such a great concept and almost everybody that Brad drew and myself have spoken to on group golf therapy has had that exact moment that your podcast is all about of having, or, or even more like having left golf and come back because yeah. they've had a re re falling in love moment with the game. It's so, um, so apt in golf. It's really interesting. In so time, congratulations yeah. on thank that. you guys so much. Yeah, and, and I thank you guys, uh, and congratulations again on all the success that you guys have had. Um, I'm so you know, feel very honored to be a guest and I'm, you know, excited to to keep listening for sure. Thank you very much. We thank Hallie, you, Hallie. Wonderful to chat with you and get to know Absolute you a little bit better. Absolute pleasure. I know Brad and I are going to get out in the course soon and Connor, you'll have to come visit us and we'll have to get out Twist there. my arm. All right. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Thank you. There's another side to good health. That's good mental health.